Hello and welcome to another episode of Second Hand Stories. This is a place where I tell you stories. What kind? Well, histories, mysteries and unbelievistries. And here is this week's story. Before we begin uh, this week's stories, I have to tell you a bunch of things. So number one is uh, these are going to be horror stories. So if that's not your thing, then now would be a good time to exit this video. If it is your thing, then do proceed with all enjoyment and hopefully with your lights dim. That's when these stories hit hardest. And uh, one last thing. Do I believe in ghosts and curses? It depends on when you ask me. Amavasya night, I feel yes. But other nights, I'm a little iffy. So that's where I stand. These are just stories that I found on the internet. I found them uh, extremely interesting. They're very visceral and and uh, they grip you like all good ghost stories should. So here are the stories. For our first story, we're going to Singapore and here's where the story takes place. In Singapore, there's a place called Bedok. It's an area and Bedok has a road called North Avenue 4. On North Avenue 4, there is a block of buildings and in one particular block, there is a flat and this flat is considered cursed. The reason it's considered cursed is because it has a haunting story attached to it. And this story is from its past, a past that refuses to let go of this flat. Here's what happened. The story of this flat begins with the story of a family. This family consisted of a father, a mother and their three-year-old son. This family lived in this flat and... At the time that the story starts, they were going through a lot of troubles. The first type of trouble was this. They were in financial trouble. The father had taken out loans and now loan sharks were after them because he couldn't repay these loans. To make matters worse, the father was also having an affair. He was having an extramarital affair and because of this affair, he wanted a divorce from the mother. The mother, however, was unwilling to give this man the divorce that he wanted. And as a result of this, they were having very intense, very bitter fights. The atmosphere in the home was extremely cloudy and extremely thunderous. The fights would go on long into the night and things were steadily getting worse and worse and worse until one night the mother does something drastic. Here's what she does. She puts on a red dress. This red dress some say was the dress that she had worn at her wedding. She goes into her son's room. Her son is asleep. She picks the boy up and then carries him to the window and throws him out from the 25th floor. Soon after this, she gets onto the ledge and jumps off too. As if this wasn't horrifying and chilling enough, 
the husband would later find a message scrawled on a wall this message read it's not over darling the police were called in and they looked at the scene and ruled it a suicide the husband wasn't charged for it and he was free to go on with his life the husband tried to sell this house but with such a tragic incident linked to the house it was extremely difficult for him to sell it so he did the next worst thing he moved his mistress into the house and continued living there over time he would have a child with this mistress and the child would be a son now when the son turns 3 odd things start happening when the son turns 3 suddenly he finds himself an imaginary friend he calls this imaginary friend korkor which is singaporean for elder brother he would often talk and laugh with his imaginary friend korkor and you could hear his talking and his laughter through the door one particular day the maid that worked in the house she opened the door of this son's room and she sees this boy sitting in the middle of the room staring at a wall transfixed his eyes wide smiling and talking to korkor the maid was sufficiently freaked out she was creeped out by this behavior and she was so disturbed by it that she reported it to the parents the parents however dismissed it the father said at this age kids have imaginary friends there's nothing to be worried about but all of this would change one particular night on this particular night the son comes into the parents bedroom and wakes them up he's crying he's distraught the parents ask him what's happened he says that korkor has been bullying him The husband again tells the kid that there's nothing to worry about Korkor is imaginary nothing will happen to him but the kid is distraught there's no consoling him so eventually the parents tell the child that he can sleep with them in their bedroom the kid goes to sleep but soon the parents are awoken again they're awoken by sounds coming from the son's bedroom here's what they're hearing they're hearing the cupboard door that is inside the room banging when they get up to inspect the room suddenly they can hear a child weeping from inside the room what's more this sends a chill down the father's spine because this sound sounds exactly like the way his previous son used to sound like cautiously he puts his hand on the doorknob and they open the door and as they enter the son's bedroom they see that there is nothing amiss the cupboard doors are shut and there is no crying child inside it's extremely perplexing they're standing there wondering what they heard and just then they hear their maid scream she's screaming from their bedroom they rush to their bedroom and they see what the maid is looking at and it's a horrifying sight they see their son standing on the window sill somehow mysteriously the grill has been pried open the son is standing there smiling at them and then he waves at them and says he is going to fly like superman and he is going to join his korkor and then he blows his parents a kiss 
and falls away from the window when this happens it was crushing for both the parents and especially for the father they immediately moved out but this particular flat held the remnants of this particular incident forever after this incident this flat was forever cursed no one would reside within its walls it would be forever empty and though it was empty neighbors would often hear strange things they would sometimes hear the innocent laughter of a young boy and other times they would hear the mournful weeping of his mother For our second story we're going to Hong Kong and in Hong Kong there is this one particular street it's 55 Ship Street in Wan Chai district on this street there is a house it's a two story red brick house called Namku Terrace Namku Terrace was built between 1915 and 1921 and this house was built by a wealthy businessman When it was built it was built in the european style but it had a lot of chinese motives and a lot of architectural designs that combined the east and the west it's a two story building with these big windows and these windows have these iron girdings along them it's a beautiful looking house if you imagined what it would look like when it was built however if you look at it today you will see none of that beauty you will only see a faint shadow that remains of it in fact what you will see today is a building that is left with a curse because here's what happened the businessman lived in this building with his family for about 20 years until 1941 1941 was when hong kong was occupied by japanese soldiers and when the soldiers came in they took over this house the namku terrace and they converted it into a brothel women were captured from around hong kong and they were imprisoned there and they were made to work as sex slaves their conditions were pitiable they were horrifying and many women died within the walls of namku terrace in agony through torture it said that the spirits of these women still reside within the walls and often they can be seen in different forms they can be heard in the shrieks that sometimes emanate from this house sometimes people have seen orbs floating through it what makes it even more curious is that as the building remained abandoned after the war it started becoming a magnet for squatters and not just squatters people often found the bodies of those who had come to this house to end their lives this house remained a haunted house within the otherwise growing city of hong kong a place that remained stuck in time and then it bounced back into the limelight in 2003 when this one particular incident took place here's what happened in 
in 2003 there were eight high school students five boys and three girls this group of students prided themselves in going to haunted places and staying the night and on this one particular night in 2003 they chose namku terrace as the place where they would try and spend one night the eight students reach namku terrace they enter the dilapidated ramshackle house as they make their way inside they can see that the place is completely run down the grandeur that it once held is now replaced by decay and ruin as they're making their way through this ruined house suddenly one of them spots a spirit that's standing at a staircase the spirit waves at them and suddenly the three girls that are part of the group seem to be attacked by it they're shrieking as whatever it is in this house suddenly takes hold of them now of the three one girl in particular would be more affected some would say that she seemed possessed as this incident happens it freaks out all eight of them and all of them want to leave this house immediately they want to run out of this place but that one girl remains in the house she remains unmoved she doesn't want to leave the rest of them are convincing her they're trying to pull her they're yelling at her but she refuses to budge as the commotion in this house starts growing as the yelling and screaming increases the neighbors in the area hear the sound and they call the police the police come in and they find these kids distraught they find this one particular girl now writhing on the floor the police are trying to get her out but even they find it extremely difficult this girl is fighting back as the police try to drag her out eventually they are able to take her out and then the three girls are taken to a psychiatric center here blood tests and urine tests were conducted and through these tests it was found out that they didn't have any drugs or stimulants in their bodies after a little bit of observation the three girls are let off they are sent back home and here is where the story now grows into an urban legend and according to this urban legend here's what happened to that one particular girl who had been possessed she was sent back home and then later her mother would enter her room to find her missing she would call the cops and a manhunt would begin but they would never find the girl all they would find is a note that she had left behind and strangely mysteriously and cryptically all that was written on this note were two words and the words were go back namku terrace till this day remains abandoned and remains left behind even as high rises and tall buildings spring up all around it it remains trapped in time and trapped within the story that took place within its walls
Our final story takes us to the Philippines and the year that this story takes place is 1981. In 1981, Philippines was ruled by a dictator called Ferdinand Marcos. Marcos had been elected to power before he decided to hold on to it. He had become a dictator and he ruled the Philippines with an iron fist. Ferdinand Marcos had a wife. She was the first lady of Philippines and her name was First Lady Imelda Marcos. Now in 1981, Imelda Marcos has an idea. She wants to start the first international film festival of the Philippines. And this was going to take place in just three months time. Now for this particular festival, she wanted a venue that would be as grand as the festival itself. And she decided that this venue would be built from scratch. She decided that she would erect the Manila Film Center and this would be created specifically first to play host to the Manila International Film Festival. Now there were only three months to get this film center made and it was a tight deadline by any estimate. But being the first lady of the Philippines, Imelda Marcos is not used to hearing the word no. She wants to get this thing done and she wants to get it done at whatever cost. This had to be done no matter what. So. The plans for this film center are drawn up and the film center is designed along the lines of the Parthenon, which was a temple erected for the goddess of wisdom, Athena. This, by the way, would be the only link between the Manila film center and wisdom. Now, as the plans are drawn up, it's a very, very tight deadline, a very tight schedule, but it has to be done no matter what. So here's what happens. A lot of money is pumped in. $25 million is set aside for this particular building. 4,000 laborers are called in to work in three shifts, non-stop, 24 hours of the day to get this thing ready in time. To give you an idea at what kind of breakneck speed these workers were working at, let me tell you this. There was a grand lobby in this film center and by conservative estimates, it would take about six weeks to finish this grand lobby. However, putting thousand workers on it working non-stop, they finished this grand lobby in 72 hours. It was remarkable. It was crazy and it was a disaster waiting to happen. And then it did. On 17th November of 1981, at 3 in the morning, a scaffolding on the fourth floor collapsed. There were a lot of workers working there and they plummeted to their deaths. Some of them fell on steel rods that were exposed in this unfinished building. Others were buried under debris. But even others who met an even worse fate. They fell from four stories and they fell on quickly drying cement. Now some of them were buried halfway 
down into the cement and suddenly the air was filled with the cries of these people begging for help everyone left their jobs and started trying to dig these people out even as the cement started drying all around them there was one particular man with his with the cement up to his chest and he was in shock and people were singing christmas songs to him to keep him awake as they tried to dig him out people brought shovels and tried to move the cement as quickly as they could before these people perished as this is taking place the project manager is called in project manager sees what's happening and then realizes that if they stop to save these people it's going to be costly in terms of putting this building up because they have to get this building up and running at whatever cost and so a deadly decision is taken this project manager decides to pour cement over the people that have been left on this floor the cement was poured over them and whatever parts stuck out it was chiseled off and then smoothed over and work continued now here is where unchecked power leads to atrocities because when this event happened immediately there was a press blackout nobody heard about this event the construction of this place continued as if nothing at all had taken place the construction of this building still took so long that when the day of the film festival came around they were still putting the finishing touches eventually the film festival opened luminous guests from all over the world film stars and directors and film technicians were called in and brought in and they filled the halls of this film center with conversation and chatter and films were screened and food was brought in and people had a very good time little did they know that the hems of their dresses and the soles of their shoes were getting stained by the still wet cement little did they know that the very ground they were standing on wasn't a film center it was a mausoleum as you might have guessed as soon as this incident took place the film center was cursed and the hauntings were reported almost immediately in fact on the day that the film festival took place the usherettes who were called in to help out with the serving of the food reported very strange things they said that they could smell an odd stench in the air some of them felt cold and others could feel a presence there were several mediums who were called in who all said that they could feel the presence of the people who were buried underneath it now most chilling of all was this months after this incident the project manager dies in a freak car accident and a medium who was called to the film center said a presence told them that the project manager was with them now The film center remained a place that would never play host to anything for too long. Though the first film festival was a success, the Marcos soon realized that it would be too expensive to host film festivals at the venue. 
and so the manila film center gradually started declining and eventually fell into disrepair when the marcos were thrown out the film center was pushed further into obscurity in 1990 an earthquake hit the philippines and the film center was abandoned for fear of being unstable eventually a theater company would lease the film center but yet the curse refused to be lifted odd things kept happening and strange stories kept coming out of the film center one rumor in particular was extremely disturbing it spoke of a performer who worked at the theater who was allegedly killed and their body dumped on the theater's steps but the theater company too wouldn't last there for too long strangely a fire would break out forcing the theater company out and so the manila film center stands today in silence and ruin it's a symbol of the dictators who built it and a home to the 169 souls trapped beneath its floors so those were the stories i hope you enjoyed them these were stories about cursed places from around the world if you know of such places or you live in such places do let me know in the comment section below uh, don't forget to like this video and spread the word to whoever you think would enjoy this as usual every single episode of second hand stories is shot in front of a live audience and if you would like to be part of these live sessions all you have to do is become a member of the channel That's it from this episode until next time take care and bye bye